1: I'm Ryan Willis, and I am hungry because I just left the restaurant that everybody is talking about in Knoxville and beyond Knoxville. Perhaps you've seen it in the New York Times. We've been getting all these New York Times guests on our podcast recently. We had a Deem the Artist on here, and now we have the owners of Potski. Hopefully you've been there, and if you haven't, you're missing out. I missed out for way too long. Uh, but I finally tried it, and I finally got to sit down in the space with Lawrence Faber and Emily Williams to talk about, well, some news, I guess, that we are breaking here on the podcast. Is that right, Silas? I, I guess so, yeah. I think I we're breaking th- it. think so. As long as nothing happens between now and when this publishes, um, the news is that Pachki is going to be around for another year, which is huge news considering just the success that that place has seen. And so if you're not familiar with the restaurant, you are going to learn a lot about this Jewish deli and bakery and the babka and a lot of stuff that, admittedly, I don't know how to pronounce, but that's part of the fun. You go there, you try new things, and you walk away with a full belly and a warm heart. I think that's uh, I think that's. The best description i can give you you're just gonna have to go over there and try it for yourself but before you go over there let's hear from the owners here in just a second though i do need to remind everyone that this is the scruffy stuff a podcast about all the news happening in and around downtown hosted by yours truly ryan willis and today i am joined by you've heard his voice already silas sloan growth and
0: development reporter
1: the scruffy stuff is brought to you by knoxnews.com where you can find everything we discuss here on the show and a whole lot more Knox News relies on support from readers and listeners to provide you compelling stories from Knoxville and across East Tennessee. Subscribers get an all-access pass to all of our premium exclusive content. And to become a subscriber, it's easy. Just visit knoxnews.com slash subscribe to see our latest offers and sign up today. Here it is, our conversation. With pochki, it seems like you've been traveling and eating like it's living my dream essentially. Yeah, and I think last time I talked to you, (laughs) yeah, I was gonna say last time I talked to you, I know you were like planning on traveling and get some inspiration for for pochki. It seems like you've been doing that again recently, right? Were you traveling?
2: I mean, we just got back from Paris like four or five days ago. Yeah, and it was you know every time we travel we get inspiration because what we like to do together is like eat. And drink and go to restaurants. <laughs>
3: yeah, That's our favorite but. like hobby together. But at the same time, you can't help but be in a space and be inspired. You know what I mean?
1: I know, and y'all are making me jealous back here in yeah. Knoxville. But I'm wondering, like, if when you go there and you try new things, I know it's like a hobby, but like I'm it, imagining it's also partially uh, research, right? Yeah. So how do you how do you go about that? Is, is it all research? Is it all just
2: for fun? Do you, what's the I guess the process for? I mean, let's see. Last time we talked. We had a whole other, lots of other things planned. Um, And then what we ended up doing was going to Eastern Europe and, you know, Georgia, Turkey, Ukraine, and Moldova. And so we spent that whole time. And, I mean, that was 100% research. And, like, the main goal of that trip was to, um, it was 100 years since my great-grandmother had come over to America. She lived right on the border of Ukraine and Moldova. And so we kind of just, felt that hunch, and we took a trip. We had, you know, two months, so it's not really a trip, that's kind of like a I don't know, pilgrimage or (laughs) experience or something. And so, we went over there for inspiration um, to go see what the food was like of that area. Um, Mainly in Ukraine and Moldova, and then while we were there, we were like, we have to tour the whole Black Sea, because that's like, such a cool area, and spend time in Turkey and Georgia, and Georgia's known for its wine, and so... It's like considered the birthplace of wine for a lot of people because it has the oldest archeological evidence of wine, right?
3: Yeah, certain winemaking methods like the covevery, these big clay pots that they put wine in and hold it and um, age it for several months, um, leads to this really natural process that they dig up out of the ground. And the wine is like, just, I mean, the wine that comes from this method is incredible, so.
1: And so, and so you bring it back here and, or you bring you know your experiences back here, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to ask because like I feel like I've been here for five years now, and I remember when I first moved here, like the downtown restaurant scene, and I'd have people tell me all the time, it's like it's a lot of a lot of beer and burgers down here, like that is like what Knoxville. It's it's a safe bet that you can sell beer and sell burgers, and it'll be it'll, yeah. it'll be a hit. Mm-hmm. And so I guess when you go when you go over there, and obviously you've had you know through Blackberry Farm and through you know just your career, you've had like experience with food that perhaps you know, the average person in Knoxville might not be used to. So how do you like go about like finding about all the, you know, learning about all these traditions and all these unique ways of making food and bring it back to Knoxville and yeah. still making it approachable. I mean, I feel like that's gotta be a, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you consider it a risk, but I feel like a risk, right. To bring something totally new to a market. Totally. How I did mean, you approach yeah, that? This is
2: very new. Potchki is very new,
3: <laughs> but at the same time, it's like very known. I think yeah. that American deli is really near and dear to people's hearts and, Maybe we approach it in a different way, and I think that's part of the charm. You have matzo ball soup that people grew up eating like you know, with their parents or grandparents in New York City, and then you have like kind of newer dishes that are a little reimagined, old yeah. deli dishes that are reimagined for a younger crowd.
2: Like you know? the potato blintzes. Like potato, blintzes, they're eaten all over Eastern Europe and they're called, you know, blintzki or blintz or malintzi and usually they're filled with like cottage cheese or something sweet, so we do that. We have the sweet blintzes on the weekends, and then during the week we have the potato blintzes, which have avocado on top, herbs, chili oil, and has labana on the bottom, which is 100% not authentic to anything. (laughs) My time at Blackberry Farm really helped me kind of learn about traveling and doing R&D, like research and development and stuff, with eating at restaurants. When I was the pastry chef there and the sous chef, I would spend my PTO going to restaurants in New York and California, like Michelin-starred places, to learn how they cook and kind of work those places for free. And Blackberry helped me out with doing that, which was awesome. And then every time we would have a trip to go cook somewhere else, they would take us to the cool restaurants of that town. And so we got to eat at places that, you know, I would never thought I'd ever be able to eat at. And a lot of that has to do with my time at blackberry and why i think it has was so valuable to kind of my culinary upbringing because there's a lot of things i tasted and the guest chefs that came to cook there some of the best in the world like i would have never had that experience had i not worked at blackberry and so it really like it really changed kind of it really changed me as a chef and everything
1: is the guest chef uh, concept like popular does that happen a lot because i feel like you know if i if i went to go do research at restaurants i would just be eating all the time and not really learning anything i'd just be like get done with one meal and want to go have my next meal like how do you actually take time to like learn aside from just enjoying the flavors do i mean do you go back into the kitchen and, and actually well ask a lot of questions i mean how does that how do you, you get yeah we'll oh, I know. Better.
2: <laughs> like when i've when i spent time in new york at like 11 madison park or at the restaurant at meadowood in napa valley I really like well I worked in those kitchens for like a week at a time and so after doing that and then you kind of you see so many different styles of cooking and techniques that you learn mm-hmm. and Then when guest chefs would come to Blackberry and do an event like for taste of the south or hospice to a chef would come in Cook a dinner alongside us their team would come we would like execute their dishes for them because usually it would just be one chef and so kind of what I got to do with that is work with all these different chefs learn all these new recipes and kind of going through so many different things made it so by the time I'm here now and I've been cooking for you know 10 years or so I can just go to a restaurant and we can me and Emily can eat something and typically tell how it was made or what especially with doing research alongside like of what those dishes are so like in Georgia we would eat khachapuri, and it's like it looks like a boat filled it's like a pizza like a boat filled with cheese and it has an egg yolk on top and butter and like especially in Georgia you can see the wood-fired ovens that they're making them in you can watch every step and then get to taste it and like I've read about it so much I knew exactly what the cheese was and I could watch them do the cheese so I do a lot of I do a lot of research and then maybe the development is the eating part I'm not sure (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: well I mean the research is you know paid off because people love Pochki, I mean you guys opened about a year ago and I see it all over social media. People love Pochki. They're like, "Oh, it's one of the best spots in town." You know, it was originally supposed to be a one-year thing, but yeah. you guys are I'll let you make the announcement.
3: Um, I mean, yeah, we renewed our lease and we're excited to be here for at least another year. Yeah. So.
0: you know what what made you guys decide to we want to keep doing this another year?
3: Partially, we didn't want to take something away that we were so proud of and that so many people had been so receptive to. It's kind of funny, I think we have this like quaint little like Floridian and Jewish and New York population in Knoxville that really took to the concept. And yeah. this, I mean, I don't think we realized how much a Jewish gathering space, like community eating space was lacking in Knoxville. Like we, we, it's such an important place for people. So we were just happy to have it for the community, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I mean, we've, I think when we opened we Potke started out as it started out as a pop-up where we didn't really know exactly what we were doing. Like we did a lot of research and traveling and stuff, but that wasn't necessarily for Pochke. Like we've always been dreaming about opening a dinner restaurant and that'll happen one day. We've got really, you know, sidetracked with having fun at Pochke. <laughs> but and so Potsky's really been developing over the past year. But it's also I think after Big Years, which what that was like the third week we were open. We knew we had to take it seriously. We were like, we can't just be a pop up. We can't run out of food. Yeah. We can't just like have weird. We would do French Day one day, <laughs> and then we did Pizza Bagels Day, and Brian from Adopo, the owner, sang the what Bagel Bite song yeah. <laughs> on our Instagram. Like it was. And we were is, having that
3: is still on the internet. If you if you need to go look for, look at that for yourself.
2: Yeah, we were just having fun. We were selling out and. We realized that we were like kind of making people mad when they would come in at two o'clock and there'd be a sold out sign. And we're like, so I, I think one big thing is I turned to the kitchen team and I was like, all right, but no more selling out, what can we do? And we had to like double our staff. We opened for seven days a week. Um, and I think we're we're really finding our groove right now. It took a while, but it's, it is crazy the amount of food that goes in and out of the tiny little kitchen that we have with a bakery. I mean, we have a bakery and a deli in the same room, and it's like, how many square feet? Small. It's very small. (laughs) Yes. No.
1: Well, I, I want to ask more about the space here in a minute, but you mentioned Big Ears. We've had Ashley Caps, the founder of the festival, on the podcast before, and we've talked to people, whether it's visit Knoxville or just local leaders, about how much that festival puts Knoxville on the map and how much exposure that gives to restaurants and bars around town. But you know, a lot of times you just see a number, and, and you know, you don't hear the full story. And it sounds like the Big Ears definitely did give y'all exposure, at least from what I was reading about, and I kind of followed along as oh, yeah. eventually a New York Times article. I don't know if that was directly coming out of that. I think Big Ears it was, was definitely... Okay, so you want to talk yeah. a little bit just about that experience and that festival and, and kind of how that helped push y'all
2: forward? Yeah, totally. So Brett Anderson wrote the article and he was coming to Big Ears just as a guest. And he was going to all the shows and he ate at potchki every single day for lunch.
3: I remember him coming in, just recognizing his face three days in a row. <laughs> and he really like got the hang of it. But I was like, I- this guy really likes potchki. That's really sweet.
2: Yeah, and then he kind of his last day here um, was when we did a French day pop-up and Emily wrote the whole menu in French because she's, you know, loves France. (laughs) And we did, we did a dish called the croque mamushka, which was kind of inspired by something we ate in Odessa in Ukraine at this little French bistro. But it was like a croque madame, but done up a little bit different. And I remember giving that to him the last day. And he told us that he broke his cardinal rule of eating out because he you know, writes restaurant reviews and stuff. And he ordered the same dish three days in a row. He got the matzo ball soup. So at that moment too, we were like, well, you we can't take that off the menu. Right. <laughs> but the article came out a couple months after, but, you know, that was probably our third week at the time. And it was also during the beginning of the, I mean, March, late February, early March was when Russia invaded Ukraine. And it was just us opening this restaurant right after visiting there. We did fundraiser after fundraiser after fundraiser. We have another one planned in February. And um, the article speaks a lot about that. But, I mean, that was, that was what was going on at the moment. And that's where our heart was and what we were kind of, you know, why we were cooking. And it kind of gave us, you know, inspiration and gave us, like, something to kind of power through. Like, we would work, you know, 20-hour days and we'd come in in the morning and then do a fundraiser at night and feed, like, 300 people. So I think we raised about 20, $27,000 through different organizations. The first fundraiser we ever did was a Borscht fundraiser the day before we were supposed to be open. Right. So that was when they invaded, and we just were like, all right, we need to send money immediately. We made $5,000 that day just by selling Borscht, which is, you know, most people in Knoxville have never tasted it, too. So, But a lot of people just wanted to show their support, and they came in and they got to learn about it, and they got to also try it, and loved it. Now they come back. So,
1: well, no. So year two, I mean, you know, obviously it's Foschi's got made a name for itself, and I know you, you know, don't fix what's not broken. That's the that's the kind of a way to say that. But uh, is there anything you know changing in the new year? Anything that you're looking ahead to for year number two that you know, maybe people wouldn't expect?
2: Our main thing is dialing it in. Like we're working towards we're working towards a dinner restaurant, and so that will mean me and Emily are stepping away a little bit more and kind of putting pochki more in the hands of our employees who are kill it they're amazing and so what we're kind of trying to figure out now is like how do we have this huge menu in this tiny little space all we have is a reach-in there's no walk-in fridge there's no like giant thing to put food (laughs) right (laughs) like i don't know how to say it there's no like when we get food in we get you know four cases of mushrooms in we just cut them that day, cook them that day and portion them because there's no room in the fridge to put them in. Right. And so having the menu that we have has really, um, we're really just working on keeping up with demand our Tuesdays, five months ago, four months ago, we're doubling our Tuesdays and like customers. And so we're like kind of just holding on. (laughs) And I feel like at some point we'll hit like a, we'll hit a max where things really steady on like go steady but besides that we've just gotten busier and busier and busier and we have tried to want to
3: keep growing with you know our customer base we want to keep giving them or giving them different dishes or different opportunities as much as we can Um, different ways to interact with potchki we've done some private catering that we've been that's been so much fun so yeah we're just going to feel it out this year and do do as much as we can
2: and there's so many dishes on the menu that we've actually what we do when we want to take something off the menu or like streamline things or add something is we ask our customers and the girl that just came in to pick up some food before we started talking, we asked her the other day, we were like, should we take the kosher mi off the menu? Cause we were kind of debating that and she was yelling at us like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so like there's, we're kind of hit a menu where like everybody has their thing. Right. And if we try to add something, it kind of hurts the kitchen because, they're at capacity. And if we take something away, we never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're, we are working on specials now for the weekend. We always want to put more egg based items on the menu, like breakfast sandwiches and egg sandwiches. Those are our favorite. We definitely get requests for that the most, but we even have the pastrami sandwich. It's not even on the menu. We sell 20 a day. So it's like, we were looking at <laughs> the menu, the we were yeah. looking at the menu the other day and it's like, well, we have these. Oh, and then we have that and that and that. We're like, Okay, so this this
0: isn't just the menu. Right. Like, the, the secret menu, you know? Uh, you were talking about you guys have a ton of fun here. I mean, obviously, the space is so bright and fun, and I see, see you guys on Instagram back in the kitchen. Like, things are fun. You're making tiny bialis or, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you guys are making new things every day. So how much fun is it to kind of create something new, you know, every once in a while and just say, we're going to put this on the menu and see how it goes.
3: We love giving our staff room for creativity. I think that make, takes so much monotony out of working just a regular job. Yeah, And um, so long as our staff is enjoying themselves and having fun and making something that they're really proud of, that's the way we want to move.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've actually added a lot of our – a lot of stuff in the bakery department. Um, our head baker, Tasha, and we have two bakers we hired, Grace and Damon. And they have really – just hit the ground running like we have black and white cookies every day now we have rugelach which are like the classic jewish grandmother cookie with jam and nuts inside we do a seasonal sweet seasonal savory babka chocolate cinnamon everything so like the bakery team is really adding stuff all the time and it's really cool and like the meals that we eat back in the kitchen like family meal type stuff it's never normal so we pretty much like the matzah ball soup you can have fussed up Mm -hmm. More Bubby's Way. Bubby's Way is like how your grandmother would make it. Fussed Up is like chili oil, pickled mango, lots of herbs, all that stuff. And then there's pretty much a way to fuss up every item on the menu that the (laughs) employees have done. So it's like, you know, sandwiches with all these different things. And, you know, we get tired of eating the same thing every day. So we kind of make it a little weird. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned, um, you know, the staff and growing the staff, I think, more than you had planned on. And you also mentioned Brian, who I've talked to Brian over at Adopo before um, and know that he was um, leading, I believe still is, the independent restaurant coalition efforts, you know, trying to um, address some of the issues that are going on that you hear about in the restaurant scene all across the country, but obviously here in Knoxville, too. And there are some some unique challenges, but I think everybody's heard about the challenges with staffing in restaurants. And I'm just curious sort of what your experience has been like with that, because it sounds like you all have grown and it sounds like you have an awesome team here. Have you faced some of those challenges and to what extent? And just, I don't know, I guess I'm just asking you for a state of the restaurant industry right yeah. now through, through your experience, but what's it been like?
2: I will say that we've been very lucky and that's the main thing. We've been very fortunate for the employees that we have. A lot of them have been with us since the start and we've been fortunate to get people from all over like different restaurants and you know, people from Wild Love, people from Blackberry Farm, Blackberry Mountain, um, JC Holdway and stuff and so what's been really great is to get employees that are completely trained They know exactly yeah. what they're doing They just hop in and that's why like after some employees started like a week later they have you know new bakery items on the menu and stuff
3: But at the same time we have a lot of employees who have n- never you know worked in a kitchen environment and they're working with us and Growing these skills that and that is so rewarding to see
1: I guess, like, what's the, and I know you don't have the, the golden answer, and I'm sure you would share it with everybody. Cause, you know, the restaurant scene doing great is, is good for everybody involved in it. But, like, what's the key to, I mean, in y'all's experience at least, to keeping people on and, and making it an environment that people want to work at and want to, um, you know, make a career out of it, I yeah. guess.
2: I mean, it, it's very hard, and, like, we're not perfect. There's We have plenty of days where, you know, one of us is stressed out, and it's like, you know, we can't always be perfect angel like angels and happy and you know and i think and restaurants all that stuff, are always
3: going through this like fluctuation of understaffed overstaffed like there's all there's never the perfect balance but i think like i said earlier offering creativity and a little bit of freedom to our employees is key to keeping them you know engaged and helping them grow but overall i it's we have been just so lucky
2: yeah and i mean we like to make a very fun environment obviously so like in the kitchen like you know sometimes there's restaurants where you put your head down and you just cook and at Pachki it's like you know our heads are like not quite down they're up and we're talking to each other and everyone's joking around the whole time and you know we thought about having a dishwasher at one point where it was like but then we felt bad that someone was just washing dishes all day and so now everyone kind of pitches in together and the person we hired to be a dishwasher is now like one of our best cooks you know so he kills it on the line every day So we just try to make it fun, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then one thing I do want to ask about, too, is is this location. Because, you know, I've written about how downtown seems to sort of be growing this way. And it's not quite got there. Obviously, you know, there's some stuff popping up. I know right behind y'all, the MAC building's been torn down. There's going to be some apartments that go there, the MAC building. You got Regus right here, the food hall right here. I mean, what can you just say about this location as far as... I don't know. I mean it's it seems like this is the is the could be the next hot spot and um seems like y'all got in here kind of early. I mean I know a lot of people come over here just for Poshke and are exploring this side of town. So I guess just can you talk a little bit about this area and, you know, how you sort of fit into the neighborhood and, and what you see this area becoming.
3: Well, firstly, I think I told you this when we first met. Um, I just love this location because it's a very significant location in Knoxville history. It's the Regus building. It's the host historic Regis building. Right. And there's the been restaurant in
1: Knoxville for so years. much
3: like, legacy and lore that goes into just being in, on these grounds. But definitely, I think that we're moving north. We're in a good location right now because we're on the edge of downtown where people can walk to it and access Pachki, but we also have plentiful parking right um, under the bridge and kind of street parking over here. But as Knoxville expands, I mean, if we stay here long enough, we'll be right in the thick of it, so.
2: I think the best thing that we've done here in this space was, um, at first we were concerned about how big it was. We are like, wow, this is huge. Like there's so much room in here. And then um, Emily and Jess kind of decorating the space really like made it awesome It made such like a little cool place to be i mean we can sit at this table we can hang out on, on couches we can hang out on, on other couches people work all the time here in their laptops they come in for coffee we have people do interviews here we have people have meetings here and it's like where else in knoxville can you go have a good meal and then have a meeting and I then work <laughs> there's plenty but you know we also have really good tunes so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah.
1: As I say we've had we've had some work meetings here to ourselves, so i i can uh, I can agree and confirm that yes, this is a good place to meet. But I did want to ask about you know going back to the question of you know how do you go about making something approachable that perhaps people aren't familiar with. If there's anybody on the fence, I mean, I think sometimes when I look at a restaurant menu, I'm like, I don't know what this stuff is. Like, it it can be a turnoff, perhaps. When people come in here, if anybody's on the fence about, like, you know, I want to go in and try this stuff, but I don't know. What can you tell them just about, you know, how you go about making sure that it's something that people know what they're ordering and just sort of the process of navigating the menu and navigating it? We spend a lot of
3: time in front of house connecting with the guest. You know, if anybody has any fears or is looking at the menu, like, I don't understand some of these words. Um, We definitely try to take time to empower people to make the right decision on what they want to eat for lunch. So there is a little bit of education up front for our guests if, if they're not quite sure.
2: One thing that the best thing that I think Emily and the front house team do is when someone comes in, you personally give someone a menu. Ask if they have any questions. Like, even if there's a line to the door, it's like they get handed a menu. They get a little bit of time to look at it. And most of these people have no idea what a blintz is, like a bot mitzvah showstopper. Like, what the heck is that? <laughs> like, it's just, you know, a lot of times we'll just say, like, do you like smoked fish? Like, do you want a sandwich or yes, do you want like, like a, a, do you yeah. want a salad or a sandwich or like a bagel? You know, right. and they pick one of those. It's like, do you like smoked fish or vegetables? And because we don't have any meat on our menu, like besides the pastrami, it makes it pretty easy for so vegetarians and vegans can eat
0: a lot of stuff and here
3: free. we have a we can substitute just about anything on our menu to we can accommodate gluten-free dietaries very easily so yeah.
0: Yeah. and I mean that's one thing we hear a lot about that Knoxville doesn't have enough of, of like vegetarian and vegan options so like how does it feel to kind of be filling that need or maybe like helping people try something they wouldn't otherwise try like yeah. they try something new and you guys are like yeah so that's when we right
3: first started developing this concept we really wanted to go full deli you know <laughs> the meat, all of the stuff what cuz they were like, I don't know, what do we want to eat every day? You,
2: you eat can't eat Jewish deli food every day. Like, <laughs> you go to go to New York, eat a Katz's five times in a row. Like, are you gonna? You're not. You're not gonna make it out alive. You, you know?
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. so. you're just
2: like a, you are a pickle after that. Yeah. Yeah. you're a pickle and a latke.
3: And so we were really excited for, like, our concept to kind of lean vegetarian and and vegan because that's what makes me feel good every day and. I mean, gosh, you know who's doing such a great job is um, Jenna Baker down at Vittle. Like, she, she's also filling that niche for vegetarian, plant-based, vegan options. And, just, I mean, her food is just so delicious. You can't even, you wouldn't even think it's vegan because it's just so warm and homey. And, yeah, yeah. gosh.
1: The fact that there is a pochki in downtown Knoxville now and a Vittle and a lot more, I always use this word, it's overused, at least by me, more elevated restaurant concepts around town, Uh, a lot more than they used to be five years ago. What do you think that says just about Knoxville?
3: I know there's a lot of talent in Knoxville. I know that firsthand from friends who are maybe thinking or dreaming about concepts, but don't quite, you know, don't quite want to make the leap yet, but I just love to see um, certain quality popping up, you know?
2: Yeah, and I think something that happens to us when we travel is, you know, you go to a city and you're like, oh, I wish I had something like this in Knoxville, you know. And to have people come to Pachki and say, oh, I wish we had a Pachki in Memphis, or I wish we had a Potchkey in Cincinnati or something, or Florida, that that I think is one of the coolest things, because we kind of made something unique. Or
3: even that feel that's like, you know when you walk into a, a new restaurant in Knoxville for the first time, and it's like transportive, you think like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in a big city right now or something. Like I got that feeling with Turn Club, with Wild Love when it first opened, with fiddle when it recently opened. And um, to hear that compliment is huge if it, when we ever get it. But yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely think the bar is getting raised in Knoxville. And yeah. people really, really want like local chefs with a good story and community, you know, involvement. Yeah.
2: One thing is like all these restaurants that she's talking about, like, we're all friends. We all talk to each other. We do like the, we're doing the Norris Knoxville winter warmer dinner. And that's something that Brian from Adopo kind of wrangles a bunch of chefs and puts it together. He hasn't always, he's done that the, probably the past like two years and that he invited us last year and he invited us again this year with Vidal and Marcus Stokely, um, who does well station barbecue, which is like the best freaking barbecue ever. And he's just doing it out of a trailer. But The Knoxville's restaurant community and chef community is so, like, friendly. And it makes it really easy because it's not like competition where everybody's being cutthroat with each other. It's like we eat at each other's restaurants on our days off. And so we're making a place for all of us to go to on our days off, which is kind of, you know, what we've always wanted.
0: Year two is coming up. And if you stay here you guys are staying in the thick of things So like what would it take to go a year three year four? Are you guys have any long-term plans taking it year to year? What's the what's the vibe?
1: And is there anything you can share about that dinner restaurant? I don't know yes. that how far along in the plans <laughs> you are there But I am I am curious yeah. about what sort of what the vision is for that as well
2: and nothing really to share yet besides that it will be more inspired We more inspired by our travels that we took to Ukraine, Moldova and that area.
3: But right now, you know, we're still dreaming, we're still processing and kind of putting everything together and so the reason we it, go Yeah, ahead.
2: it just takes so long to open a restaurant. It is insane. Pochtki so was easy. The, it the just like happened. Horse
3: before the wagon or the wagon before the horse, whichever comes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But but for as far as Pochtki, I mean, you know, like he said year 3, year 4. I mean, what's um, you know, what do you think? You looking at I mean, yeah. looking ahead is that for is that uh, an option for
2: y'all T- I mean totally we like I don't know we, we keep thinking like where's Potsky's forever home and I feel like we'll be five years down the line being like where's Potsky's forever home and, and we has been here. there for five years and there you answered like,
1: your question <laughs> there it is this we is love the forever this home
3: space. we really do and it's been such it's such a joy to be here so we're always dreaming about Pochki and ways to improve it if we outgrow our kitchen then we outgrow our kitchen and so forth but
2: we started here with a very small investment and it's not like opening a restaurant and taking out a loan. It was just, it was very small. And like the Pachki in Yiddish means to mess around in the kitchen. And that's why we called it that. Cause we were like, we're just gonna mess around and like have some fun. We're gonna Pachki around in the kitchen. See what sticks. Do a pop-up, you know, like pay our bills somehow and then do that. And st- Cause we had a choice. Should we do pop-ups around town or should we try this space?
1: And I did want to ask before we end here about the pop-up concept because you've heard, um, I mean, you're right across from the food hall, which I know has been a pitch as an idea is, hey, this could be an incubator, test the waters a little bit, see if you yeah. could, you know, potentially um, sustain a brick-and-mortar restaurant eventually someday. You saw sort of the same approach with um, food trucks. I know, yeah. um, you know, food trucks have kind of done the same thing. The uh, the pop-up approach um yeah, I know you talked about how much Blackberry Farm helps you with opening Pochki, but I imagine that pop-up had to help a lot too, right? I mean, just get... Oh, but, yeah. Can you talk about just that approach? And also, like, I mean, is that something that you would suggest to other people that are trying to get a feel for whether or not they could, you know, support a, a full restaurant? I mean, how much of that help?
2: I mean, doing, like, the high-baby pop-ups at Adopo ultimately brought us together with Brian and Jess, who Adopo. And that kind of spearheaded our whole partnership, and that's why we're here today. Like, so... It's me, Emily, Brian and Jess, they're co-owners, and without doing a pop-up, and especially at a doPO and having a doPO allow us into their kitchen and kind of, you know, we worked with them. They kind of we treated it like a restaurant, so I, we got to see all the financial aspects of it, all that stuff. And that ultimately made Potchky happen because it started our partnership together.
3: And I think the pop-up model in general just like helps um, reduce anxiety about risk. I know, like I said earlier, there's so m- I have so many friends who want to start something but are afraid to take the risk and having a pop-up is a great way to see like what works best for you. And,
0: and I mean, you guys kind of were just like, we're going to mess around, start up Potchkey, you know, it's kind of a, let's do this, have fun. Did you guys ever see it becoming as like popular as it is? I mean, cause it's, it's huge here. Like people love it. Wow. I mean, did you guys Thank see you. the success coming? No,
2: (laughs) no, definitely not. I don't know. We just were like,
3: it was good. We were planning on like me and one barista, and like the opening team was like, opening
2: team was like four people, and uh,
3: that's all we thought we needed. And but as it's grown, it's been, uh, I mean, wow. We had no idea.
2: We're serious now. We have like, you know, we're like, all right, we have a huge staff. We're open every day.
3: Is it safe to call us a restaurant?
2: I guess so. I don't know. We're (laughs) a deli, right? Yeah. We're a deli bakery restaurant. Cafe. Cafe. Yeah.
1: Well, for people who want to follow along with that growth or, you know, want to just see what's on the menu and see what you got going on, come over here and check it out. What's the best way for them to just uh, keep up with all things Pachki?
2: Definitely Instagram. We're at Pachki Deli. That's P-O-T-C-H-K-E Deli. You know how to spell that?
1: All right. Cool. And this is uh,
2: 318 North Gay Street.
1: 318 North Gay Street. So you should know where Gay Street is. Uh, yeah. Listeners. Yeah. Down at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining us here on the show and congrats on a great first year and we're excited like everybody listening for year number 2. So, congrats. Thanks so us much. Too. Thanks, Thanks
2: for having us. Yeah.
1: Yep. Still hungry. I don't know about you Silas, but I am starving right now. i say not very one hungry. thing that was mentioned sounded bad or mediocre it all sounded good it all sounded great honestly i think we went over there recently and had a meeting had some bobka over there and we're still talking about it
0: still a few weeks about, later i i'm still kind of dreaming about my everything bobka. it was it was amazing
1: well if you're dreaming about the scruffy stuff and when the next episode might drop i always do you don't need to All you need to do is just hit that like or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on, and that'll give you notifications every time a new episode drops. You can do that on Spotify, you can do it on Apple, really, all the podcast platforms, or just come back on Monday and see what's new. If you want to keep up with my work in the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Scruff. and for Silas, what's the best way to keep up with you?
0: You can follow me on Twitter at Silas Sloan, S-I-L-A-S-L-O-A-N yeah i spelled my name right or you can follow me on instagram at nox growth
1: and you actually didn't spell your name right because there's only one s no that's, which is I, correct i spelled Twitter name right. i
0: spelled my twitter name right but my yeah if you're wondering how to spell my real name there's an extra s before it's not silas loan it's silas sloan right right and
1: <laughs> what else am i forgetting about oh yeah the Urban Knoxville Facebook group. If you're not in that, what are you doing? That is a great place to keep up with uh, downtown news beyond what we talk about here on the scruffy stuff. We just ask that you answer three quick questions to get admitted into that group and you can start joining the downtown discussion it's a place to post about what you got going on ask questions uh, we'll post in there from time to time we also send out a newsletter every Friday uh, links to the newsletter and the Facebook group are both going to be in the podcast description but that newsletter is great uh, every Friday like I said it comes out and'll get you up to date with the latest trends happening around downtown maybe something to look forward to to the weekend uh, as well as some stories that we wrote about downtown earlier on in the week
0: may i throw out an idea for people who haven't subscribed to our newsletter sure join our urban Knox facebook group yeah and you're hungry yeah why don't you go down to pochkey yeah grab a babka grab Mm -hmm. a coffee bring your laptop Mm -hmm. subscribe to the facebook subscribe to the newsletter and enjoy some quality content it is a really good place to
1: hang out yeah you're right pochkey is way more than a restaurant it is a gathering place a place with a little bit of everything for everyone Much like Knox News. I think that's safe to say, natural transition there, that Knox News has whatever you want. Not just downtown coverage, but coverage about what's happening in Knox County, East Tennessee, sports, politics, downtown business, growth, development, schools. You want it, we got it, but we need your support. We appreciate you listening every week here on the show, but if you want to take that support one step further, go to KnoxNews.com slash subscribe. See our latest offer and sign up today. I think it's $1 for three months right now. That is less than your cup of coffee at Starbucks to help support journalists like me and like Silas and like everyone here at Knox News that are working to tell the stories that matter most to you. But right now, all that matters is me getting something to eat. I cannot express how hungry and it's turning into hangry that interview had uh, made me. But I'm excited to get back to Poshke soon and very excited to have you all listening here on this show. Come back again next week. Till then, stay scruffy, Knoxville.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to
1: Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula.